Hello, this is Mark Bassingthwaite. I'm the risk manager here at Alps. Welcome to another episode of Alps in Brief. We're coming to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. And I'm delighted to be able to introduce our guest uh, this afternoon, Chris Newbold, the Executive Vice President of Alps. And we're going to talk today about attorney well-being. Chris, before we dig into this topic, can you take just a few moments and, and tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, Chris Newbold, as Mark said, Executive Vice President of, of Alps, where I have the, the, the really the benefit of uh, playing a variety of different roles within the company. been with Alps since 2002 and, and uh, work closely with Mark on, uh, on, on making our lawyers better practitioners. Um, as well as managing uh, our bar relationships around the country. As many of you know, uh, Alps is endorsed by more states than any other, and, and, uh, and it's, it's a great opportunity to be able to understand uh, the value of the organized bar, and, and we work with those bars to, uh, to aid them in, in, uh, in, in best serving their members. Very good. We recently gave a presentation in uh, Idaho on attorney well-being and you had a personal story that really struck me uh, can you talk a little bit about your personal interest in this whole subject area of attorney well-being yeah I, I uh, had the great fortune of attending the University of Montana for for my my legal education and and one of the great things about attending a smaller law school is the ability to be able to go to um, a school with a smaller class, and, and I had a class of approximately 70 students or so um, in, my, in, in, my, uh, in my first year. And, and uh, the, the interesting thing about how I've seen my class as they went through their professional development is I, I, I've, I've um, you know, unfortunately um, seen four of my classmates um, in the 16, 17 uh, 18 years or so since I've graduated actually commit suicide. Um, and so it's a, it's an issue that's kind of hit home for me about just, you know, where is our profession at and, and what, what is it that drives folks to think about that, um, that, that, that turn of events? Um, and, and what can we do about it as a, as a, as a profession that, you know, cares about its, its, uh, its brethren and, uh, and so I've, I've decided to lean in on the subject and, and get more active on a national level. I, 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 what a wonderful thing to be doing. I, I, you know, what we're seeing around the country in terms of just bar associations and, and this whole topic is just becoming a, a very, very important issue to, to, to focus on. Uh, as we think about this topic in, in terms of malpractice prevention, you know, that kind of thing, how does... Alps view the whole issue of attorney well-being. Yeah, I think it's a it's a critical one that I think oftentimes uh, malpractice carriers don't don't uh, focus on enough. You know, a lot of times we focus our time, a lot of your time, focusing on law practice management, technology trends, cybersecurity. But you know, the the interesting thing is that that I think that we all fundamentally agree with the principle that to be a good lawyer, one has to be a healthy lawyer. And the reality of is, yeah. the reality is that in in many of the claims that we see, you know, we see issues associated with substance abuse, with mental health types of issues, depression, depression, stress, that ultimately 
begins the 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 ball rolling in terms of a, a, a lawyer's life starting to spin out of control and and we see it i think in our claims activity that sometimes some of these issues really sit at the forefront of why a claim and an exposure to a, a susceptibility to a claim kind of comes to the forefront and so the more that we can um, be be at the forefront of making lawyers um, better lawyers through uh, being healthier lawyers i think ultimately it makes makes good sense for us but more more so it makes good sense for the profession right yeah when i do a lot of lecturing on the topic you know i often talk about this whole issue as being the the real cause of malpractice you know uh, carriers we record, and, and you know, in terms of this statistical data, we we talk about you know how many calendaring missteps were there as a country, and we talk about you know what the mistake was, but we really don't track and record why the mistake happens, and and these are the issues. You know, it is substance abuse, it is depression, it is Alzheimer's, and, and uh, all kinds of things. You know, so so this health topic uh, is very very hot. It, it, from malpractice prevention and, and just how I see it in legal circles. You have become involved in the National Task Force on Attorney Wellbeing. Can you talk to us about how this came together uh, and how it ultimately wanted to measure its success? You know, just bring us up to date on what's happening with the task force. Yeah, the, the task force was conceptualized and, and initiated by the, the ABA Commission on lawyer assistance programs, um, the, the, the COLAP community, if you will. Um, yes. Also, okay. the, uh, the National Association of Bar Counsel and the Association of Professional Responsibility Lawyers. And I think those groups were interesting to kind of come together and say, boy, you know, we may be facing a, 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 a profession that, that, that simply is falling short when it comes to well-being. And I think that their intention was you know, it's time to have a national conversation about where the legal profession is in terms of well-being. And, and that collection of entities, you know, that was both within and outside the ABA was, was created in, in, in August of 2016 and has ex- expanded to include the, the ABA Standing Committee on Professionalism, the ABA Center for Professional Responsibility, the National Association of Bar Counsel, um, the National Conference of Chief Justices, the National Conference of Bar Examiners, because when you really think about well-being, it really spans, you know, the the totality of stakeholders in our legal community. And it was from those groups that we kind of brought these entities together and started to say, you know, what can we do? How should we think about lawyer well-being? And I think from a from a measurement standpoint, it all became about, you know, what can we do to increase the health of our profession. And I think part of that was just kind of getting moving on bringing the stakeholders together and thinking about what is it that we can do um, to ignite a discussion uh, about the the subject that ideally transforms itself into a movement um, that brings various stakeholders together to think about what, what each individual stakeholder's role can be in terms of advancing the ball. Okay, yes. When I, you know, I, I like you've talked about how we, we, we're bringing people together, we're starting a conversation, but this group has gone well beyond just having a conversation. There, there really has been, if you will, a crowning achievement here in terms of a publication of uh, The Path to Lawyer Well-Being, Practical Recommendations for Positive Change. Can you talk to us about what this report 
aim to do and why is it gaining the traction that it is in such a short period of time? Yeah, the, the, the report was, you know, again, most of the folks who are kind of associated with the National National Task Force are volunteers, right? And so to kind of ignite a movement, if you will, we felt like we needed to put together, you know, a, a, a definitive report on just the, you know, how do we create a movement to improve well-being in the profession? And so, you know, we, we, we basically set out to, to lay out a, a blueprint, if you will, and to say, what is the issue? How do we define um, well-being? How do we think about what are the reasons are to take action? What are the calls to action that different stakeholders can take? And then to offer concrete, definitive steps that were really authored and peer-reviewed by by individual stakeholder groups to be able to kind of then lay forward a, if you want to take action on this particular issue, here are some things that you can think about. And if you get a chance to take a look at the report, uh, widely available, obviously, on the on the internet, you know, it really does lay out a, a, a host of, you know, 50, 60 recommendations, if you will, about how we can improve on the well-being front and, and really brings in the, the totality of stakeholders that, that can play a role um, in the particular uh, fight. That could be from the judiciary to the regulators to the bar associations to the law schools to the lawyer assistance programs, um, even to the, the professional liability carriers. And it was really kind of that semblance of how do we bring all of these different groups together to put together a definitive um, definitive report that ideally would ignite um, a, a, disc- a national discussion, which we're really pleased that we think that it has. Although, you know, just when we think that we're uh, that we've ignited a, a a a movement, if you will, some people are just hearing about it for the first time. So we got we got a long ways to go in terms of where we want to get to, but we think that the the first step in terms of authoring this report was was a great first step on behalf of the national task force. Oh, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. You know. It, we're talking here about the health of the legal profession. Can you share some thoughts on just the overall benefits of lawyer well-being? Yeah, I really think it kind of breaks down into to three reasons. I mean, one, it's it's good for business. I mean, when you think about lawyer health, it's a, it's an important form of what I would call human capital. You know, in terms of providing mm-hmm. a competitive advantage in the law firm environment. So the more that job, job satisfaction predicts retention and performance, when you can, when you can cultivate a culture that, that, that ultimately is um, embracing of, of well-being, you lower turnover, you heighten client satisfaction, you heighten productivity, and ultimately for law firms, you heighten uh, profitability, right? So it, for me, I mean, the first step is I think it makes sense from a from a good for business perspective. Secondly, I think it's good for our clients. You know, we, we have you work in the in the business of ethics and professionalism, and when you think about you know Rule One Point One and, and and the right. that requires lawyers to provide competent representation, and and when we think about a lawyer's duty of competence, you know, it, it, we all operate better when we're operating from a position of strength and health than we are from one of deficiency or depression or stress. And so, you know, when you, when you look at it just from, you know, the indispensable part of a lawyer's duty of competence, you know, well-being makes sense, right? Um, right. And then, and then I think the third element is is just this notion of, you know, it, it just is, it's the right thing to do from a humanitarian perspective, from thinking about how we work with our federal lawyers. You know, we, we need to do more to just do the right thing. And, and I think sometimes, 
you know, there's a stigma attached for, you know, thinking about what's in the best interest of others. And, you know, so we feel like well-being, it's good for business, it's good for clients, it's the right thing to do. Okay. You know, and this is interesting. I've shared, you know, I I do a lot of lecturing, as as you well know, on on this whole topic of attorney well-being, uh, coming at it from a risk management practice perspective. And and so much of my focus is really on addressing, you know, we need to learn to recognize, address substance abuse, mental health, try to teach steps that we can take to move forward and, 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 and get help where help is needed. But I'm sensing here that that what you and and the task force is focusing focusing on is 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 a broader conversation. We're looking at well-being as as something more than just addressing the substance abuse issue, the mental health issue. Is is that correct? I I think that's exactly right, and and that's not to diminish the you know the real challenges of, associated with substance abuse, depression, stress, mental health types of issues. But it's it's really for me, it's thinking about you know just where are lawyers at in terms of satisfaction, in terms of life satisfaction. And one of the things I really enjoyed, you know, some of some of the kind of the social science elements of the report was really defining lawyer well being and thinking about it as a continuous process in which lawyers strive. You know, in each dimension of their life, whether that's the emotional um, dimension of their life and, and recognizing the ability to identify and manage one's emotions um, to support mental health, whether you're thinking about the occupational well-being and, and how much satisfaction and growth and enrichment are you getting from your work life, um, the intellectual kind of component of well-being and continuously learning and challenging oneself in terms of ongoing development, the spiritual element of well-being, you know, how are we doing with it with respect to a sense of meaningfulness and purpose in all aspects of our life? Uh, obviously, the physical one, you know, we just turned uh, a lot of New Year's resolutions going on right now, the, the notion of regular physical activity, eating well, sleeping well, and then the social element of well-being. Are we developing a sense of connection, belonging, and support networks? You know, so, you know, when you think about well-being, not just kind of from the, the substance abuse side, but from the emotional, the occupational, the intellectual, the spiritual, the physical, and, and, and the social side, there's really a kind of a wide-ranging uh, uh, you know, compendium of, 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 of elements that I think ultimately drive into um, the well-being equation. Yes. Yeah. Okay, very good. How would you sort of... Assess where this whole well-being movement is today, and, and do you have any thoughts on, on where it's going to go, particularly in light of, of what the task force has done here? Yeah, I, I, I think that we're I think we're in a, a very interesting position. I, some, someone recently mentioned to me that they think that this is the right discussion point at the right time for the profession, and, and I happen to uh, to agree with that. I mean, I, I think that the report itself was a call to action. You know, I, I think the, the stakeholders have been identified and what role people can play. I think there's a lot of work that we can do in, in, in ending some of the stigma surrounding help-seeking help behaviors that sometimes affect lawyers. Um, we're obviously, we, we talked a little bit about emphasizing that well-being is an indispensable part of a lawyer's duty of competence. Um, I, think we're, I think we're at a time where it's much more socially acceptable to begin to kind of talk about these issues more openly, which begins with educational outreach and programming on on well-being types of types of issues and and then I think you know we're kind of 
changing the tone of the profession one small step at a time. And what I, what I'm enlightened by is the notion that there's a, there's, there's, there's a growing sentiment uh, from the national, from the, from the report that's stimulating conversation at the local and the state level. So we're seeing a variety of different state commissions and task forces come into play that's assessing what, what are, how are things going in local law schools? How are things going in local firms? How are the, how's the regulatory community thinking about this? How does this affect our CLE requirements? There's, I just think there's a lot of interesting conversations going on right now that ultimately is going to lead to the type of action that we anticipated in the drafting of the report. Yeah, I, and I, I, I agree with you, and I, 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 I certainly hope so. Uh, the one thing that impressed me is is the broad coverage of of the analysis and of the ideas uh, coming out of this report. And for you listeners, I, I certainly encourage you at some point to to take a look at this uh, report, at the publication. It is it, it is quite a fascinating uh, read. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Before we wrap up, do you have any concluding comments, remarks you'd like to share? I, I would just, you know, conclude by you know, again the kind of the, the premise here, which is, which is, you know, the the, you know, good lawyers I think are defined by kind of healthy behavior, and I think we as a profession we need to be thinking about how, how how law students are thinking about the profession, uh, the demands that we're kind of placing on our associate lawyers, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of interesting elements that that are kind of coming to, to fruition here in this discussion, and and I I remain optimistic that. You know, while I think we have some challenges, I think we also have, you know, some of the most intelligent and thoughtful uh, of folks in our profession. And, and the more that we can work together collaboratively, uh, I think that there's there's definitely um, a yearning and an ability for us to improve the health of our profession. And that's ultimately the goal. Yeah, yeah. I, it's sort of one of my takeaways with this whole conversation is it, 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 you're reminding us to think about, you know, why we do what we do. In, in essence, you know, we don't live to work. We really should work to have a life and yeah. to live and enjoy. And it just, it, to me, it, it helps me start to think about priorities again, what's important. Um, listen, Chris, it really has been such a pleasure. I, I do appreciate your taking the time to visit with our listeners here on the uh, In Brief podcast. And hopefully at some point in the future, uh, we can get together again and explore uh, other topics, perhaps even follow up on this. Uh, To those of you listening, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time. And please feel free, if any of you have any thoughts, ideas on uh, other topics or items you'd like to hear discussed in future podcasts, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can uh, find me at mbass at alpsnet.com. That's it. Thanks for living. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye-bye.